0: This is the BA Coach Podcast, episode number 46. Welcome to the BA Coach Podcast, online at thebacoach.com, helping business analysts take their craft to the next level. It doesn't matter if you are a brand new BA or you've been practicing for many years, there is always something we can all do. To take our BA skills and techniques up a notch. And now, here is your host, author, blogger, musician, and BA evangelist, Yakub Muhammad, also known as Yamo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the BA Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Yamo. And it's been a while since I released the last episode of the Be a Coach podcast because there's been some interesting updates in my life. First off, uh, I became a father for the second time. We had a wonderful baby boy. Uh, We've named him Yusuf. So uh, things have been wonderful and uh, obviously a lot busier in the last few months. Having said that, we are close to completing season two of the podcast and. The response from the community has been amazing. As of recording of this podcast, we've reached over 135 countries, downloaded close to 160,000 times. So I want to thank you for your continued listenership, support, and encouragement. It truly means a lot. And my intention here is to continue to add value and advance the practice of business analysis. So without further ado, let's get right into our episode today, which is a BA interview with Aladdin from Saudi Arabia. Before we get into the episode, a quick announcement. The BA version 3 from IIBA is releasing in April of this year. That's April 2015. If you're preparing for the exam, which is CBAP or CCBA, you will roughly have maybe six to eight months after the release of uh, the version 3 to take the V2 exam. Although IIBA has not announced the official date when version 3 exam will be available, I mean, it it would be prudent to assume that uh, you're looking at anywhere between late 2015 and early 2016. So if you're serious about getting certified, we will be creating a comprehensive free mini prep course for you. And you can access it from freeminiprepcourse.com. So in our BA interview today with Aladdin, we talk about his journey from developer to becoming a business analyst and how BAs are positioned uniquely to make a difference in the organization, his process improvement, engagements, the importance of interpersonal skills, and how he handled non-cooperation from stakeholders. And also as a BA, why is it important for you to sense the different needs of your audience? We talk a little bit about high impact learning experiences with examples and how you can identify them in your practice the value of learning by conscious reflection, the importance of planning ahead for your meeting. And towards the end, we have a general discussion about the BA practice and that part of the world and how it's perceived and uh, what are some of the challenges when it comes to performing business analysis in Saudi Arabia. So with all of this and much more, here's Aladin Halak. Tell us, how did you get started in this uh, exciting field of business analysis, Aladin?
1: Right. When you put the word "exciting," it's uh, I gotta have an exciting start. So, uh, <laughs> um, yes. no, it's it's the usual. You know, a lot of uh, BAs come from a technical uh, or development side. So, I, I am one of those classic cases of somebody who wanted to be developer, but then eventually turned into a BA. Mm-hmm. So, there's nothing too unique about that. But mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what 's unique is that while I started as a developer and eventually right now i 'm a full time b a mm. the the journey that i 've been in is quite uh, interesting because mm. I have dabbled in many fields i 've considered many different you know professions along the way and uh, I think about I changed about five jobs in the past eight years
2: mm, and
1: nice. you know some some may look at that as you know this guy 's not sure, but I think when you look back at it. Uh, it really helps. So I've done uh, I've done some project management. You know, I've even mm-hmm. done some sales. Mm. Uh, and uh, I've uh, one of one thing interesting is that in 2007,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was you know reading and you know, all that stuff, and I really had a strong interest. Mm -hmm. and passion in a field um, it's called uh, human computer interaction Mm -hmm. and that is uh, software usability for people who are familiar with the term so I really was interested in that and I was doing solutions analysis so I wasn't really a full-time BA but I was doing part of that Mm -hmm. so I got really interested in that and you know I pursued it on my own Mm -hmm. and I think I ended up you know going to India
0: Oh, interesting!
1: Yeah, mm. uh, in 2007, I sponsored myself and in going India, and I attended a course. I think it was by Human Factors International, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up getting the certificate. So, while now I'm not a full time, you know, usability specialist, it did it did help me a lot in my uh, you know business analysis. So here I am, finally realizing that mm-hmm. you know BA is what I want to do. It's not sales. It's not BM. It's it maybe usability specialists have their own people, but I I'm just content with you know. BA, BA is uh, what I'm really passionate
0: about. Nice. So you had, yeah. uh, You had your path was pretty much going from a developer into a business analyst,
1: and you know some detours along the way. <laughs> yeah,
0: some interesting detours uh, with a self-sponsored trip. Yeah. Pretty cool. So um, looks like you really like this job, obviously, and 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 I think that's one of the reasons why I'm interviewing you because uh, I saw right. your blog and such. So. What, what do you like the most about being a business analyst and uh, what aspects of it do you like the most?
1: Well, I can't say I have a lot of different things from what other BAs might have. I mean, you know, when you interview BAs, they all talk about, you know, making a positive difference and that's really great.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, I think we uh, as business analysts, I mean, we're in a unique position to, to really make a difference to do that. I mean, it's because that we, the role that we play, you know, in gathering requirements... Shaping the final solutions. Mm. Uh, This role, I mean, users would then either find what the 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 work that we do immensely useful; that Mm. it'll make their lives easier, or on the other hand, it will they'll have trouble adopting them into their work. So, so I mean, this work, this difference that we make is one of the greatest, you know, things that I look forward every day. I mean, the Mm. thought of my work contributing to to people, to helping them. Uh, especially in the project that I'm doing, which may, may we may talk about later.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other thing is, you know, everybody loves, you know, interacting with people. I love the people aspect of mm-hmm. this job. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and specifically, uh, I love it when, when we're interacting with clients and we're actually helping them discover what the real needs are as mm. opposed to what they want mm-hmm. and i mean that's a whole skill in ba's that they need to develop is getting to the bottom of the you know of the requests and, and making sure that they're addressing the real mm-hmm. uh, the real needs of the users
0: yeah absolutely yeah
1: and uh, i think one final thing for me which i've been you know uh, sort of enjoying this year especially uh, with my new role uh, is actually mentoring fellow ba's mm-hmm. you know and and learning from the process as well. Mm. I mean, yeah, leadership, I mean, you may, leadership is the same if you're BA or not, but I still enjoy coaching my own BA team and you know, helping them mm. um, realize their full potential as BA's. I mean, it just gives me a great uh, sense of satisfaction to see them grow professionally. So, yeah, th- I love that part of my job.
0: Nice. Well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can totally imagine that. Yes, exactly. So it's a very fulfilling thing to do. You alluded to project. So let's let's talk a little bit about what domains you worked on uh, in terms of, uh, let's say, business verticals and also different kinds of uh, business analysis efforts that you were involved in. Right. So what domains did you work like? You, you worked in five different uh, companies, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you can imagine. I've
1: done some. Yeah. And each one gave me an opportunity at a different, you know, kind of domain. Uh, I would say there are business domain and there are solutions domain. So, uh, you know, in business domain that what they talk about sectors and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've done a lot of work with the government sector Mm. uh, here in Saudi Arabia. Mm right mm-hmm. and uh my last job actually I was in the aviation sector which is you know you could say it's part of government but I think it's uh, it, it qualifies as well. it's in its own sector I've done a lot of work also on the uh, fast-moving consumer goods
2: mm-hmm.
1: F- FMCG and I think that is uh, you could say it, it's retail mm-hmm. in, in a yeah. way in a yeah. sense mm-hmm. uh, and currently I'm, I'm working the financial banking sector mm-hmm. Uh, with the with Saad project, I think uh, it's it's Saad is the national payment system in Saudi Arabia. Okay. So yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the moment.
0: So uh, what what's your favorite domain? Uh And why?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's always a tricky question. Uh, you know, I can't say it's a specific one that I favor, but like I would say. My favorite solution domain, I mean, being, I mean, solution domains are like the actual solutions that you deliver mm-hmm. from content yeah. management to stuff like that. So, my favorite solution domains, or you know, what I've really enjoyed over the years is uh, where it has to do with business process improvement, like mm. uh, tackling the business processes, of business uh, of organizations, and you know, finding ways to improve them.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, I think that really, uh, why it's my favorite. It's because I think it has a lot a wide spectrum of interesting applications mm. and outcomes. I mean, it always makes for interesting engagements mm-hmm. these business process improvement projects.
0: Mm-hmm. You said interesting engagements. Do you have yeah. do you have a few examples?
1: Yeah. um,
0: Okay. So my last uh,
1: my 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 last company, I was doing. I was a full time BBM specialist, Mm -hmm. and uh, I've worked with the. um, I think my our major client was the aviation sector here. It's uh, the Saudi uh, General Authority of Civil Aviation, Mm -hmm. and so um, when you get into such a project, especially from a government perspective, um, you really face a lot of challenges. I mean, there's always this push and pull Mm -hmm. between wanting to keep uh, the status quo Mm -hmm. and finding new and efficient way of doing things. So Mm -hmm. it's always this challenge,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right? And you know what? I think some time ago I read, I think I read an article in a website, uh, it's called I think the Process Ninja, Mm -hmm. and they were, you know, they were comparing BBM projects in governments to actually, here's the analogy, Mm -hmm. the the writer compared it to putting a lipstick Mm. on a pig. (laughs) okay. (laughs) So maybe that's a little extreme, but I mean, his point of view is that, you know, when you work with such projects, I mean, especially in BBM, in the government sector, you face a lot of problems in terms of governance accountability, a lot of restrictions and inflexibility, I mean, there's always, like I said, this push and pull. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I resonate with a lot of, with a lot of that. So, mm. so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, I mean, there are a lot of challenges in BBM projects, especially in the government sector, and, you know, a keen BA, mm. uh, to be really successful, he has to work through a lot of these challenges, and it's really motivating to do
0: that. Nice. I think uh, that's a perfect test. Uh, segue mm-hmm. to my uh, next question which is also our next segment uh which uh, we, which i call it as cap segment yeah uh, where we talk about challenges advancement and productivity tips so let's start with challenges now that you brought it up yeah what were some of your biggest challenges uh that you faced as a business analyst uh, more from a general sense and also specifically let's say in saudi arabia if there's anything specific so
1: right I, yeah, let's talk about the general ones first. Okay. I, I want everybody maybe to resonate with some of the stuff that we mentioned here. Sure. Uh, w- when I gave this a thought, I mean, um, I think the biggest one right now, what I'm facing right now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is getting people, especially stakeholders, mm-hmm. to think in terms of requirements, not solutions. Mm. Okay, so what what do I mean by that? Hmm. Uh, In the business analysis, you know, body of knowledge, they say that you you have business requirements, you have stakeholders, and you have solution requirements, right? Yeah. Uh, And business are the ones that high level, and the solutions or the stakeholder requirements are the ones that should be derived from stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So what we find nowadays in our environment, current environment, is that people, especially stakeholders, they jump to solution requirements, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And they actually think that a solution requirement is actually what my real requirement is. I mean, it's, that's not always true, is it? No.
2: Like, yeah, yeah
1: in, uh, your stakeholder requirement, your requirement per se, could have multiple solution requirements. And th- and just saying that this is my requirement and it's really a solution to an underlying deeper problem mm-hmm. doesn't really help. It actually creates a lot of other problems.
0: Mm, yeah
1: right yes. so i mean uh here we we could fail to uncover the real problem we could we could fail to even identify alternative better solutions so because you're you're fixated on this particular solution and saying that this is my real requirement
0: yeah and i think that's kind of a general tendency uh with all the stakeholders because yeah. they they always think of solutionizing their, their problem because that's exactly. the easiest thing to do right
1: yeah, they jump right to that. Uh, and I th- actually, actually, our job here is to help them, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, get to the root of the problem. And I, uh, if you look at the babuk, there are different techniques for that. I think one of them was the uh, the uh, root cause analysis technique mm-hmm. in which you ask five whys or you draw a fishbone diagram saying, this yeah. is the root cause of your problem. Let's, get, let's address that and then we'll address, you
0: know, the requirement. Yeah, absolutely. So right. how do you overcome that? Do you use any of these techniques or...
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been trying to uh, to get my team to use this. I mean, uh, the easiest one is five whys. Mm-hmm. You know how that works. You start asking why. So why is this uh, a requ- why is this a problem? So they start getting to the deep of mm-hmm. uh, one level deeper, and usually five whys is, is enough. But you could go for two or three, mm-hmm. and then you would have arrived at the real requirement, which you could then devise multiple solutions for.
0: Mm. Nice. Right. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, have yeah, to get to the, you have to get to the bottom, right?
1: It's not only stakeholders. I mean, it's even our team. Our team has to start also thinking of you know, questioning when they sense that they're getting a solution instead of requirements. They have to question that.
0: Mm. Yeah, For sure. So mm, what are the challenges do you face in terms of uh, being a business analyst?
1: I think this one I uh, faced on multiple occasions over the years and it's basically when you be when you become a BA mm. when you're starting with this field you uh, you assume that everybody's going to be cooperative everybody's going to give you their full time their full attention mm. and everything you assume 100% stakeholder's engagement right
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and then you come to the conclusion you realize that well that's not true mm. Right, mm-hmm. and there's no point of blaming the stakeholders because, uh, at the end of the day, it partially is your job to engage these people in the manner that uh, that you need. I mean, to to this level of engagement isn't gonna come on autopilot from the stakeholders. You'll have to do work on your part. Mm. Yeah. Right, and and I think we face a lot of that. And I th- actually, we've devised a plan in our current environment that we need to increase that level of engagement, mm-hmm. uh, because not doing so uh, is affecting us. For example, in project delays, you know, you ask somebody to review something and they don't get back to you uh, in the time that you need, mm-hmm. or or they actually miss you miss a lot of major stuff because they haven't been involved as much. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so, so it's no point in blaming the stakeholders. It, it's, it's our responsibility. And it's all, it all has to do with, you know, your interaction skills, the, the level of expectations that you said. There's a lot of things we can do about that to, mm-hmm. to make sure that we, we engage people properly.
0: So uh, how, how do you uh, yeah. enhance your engagement? And if you have to give a few tips that our BAs could use tomorrow, yeah, um, what would those be?
1: Well, I mean, you start with, with certain expectations, and that's basically when you plan for it. Uh, when you plan for your engagement, you produce a plan that has a stakeholders analysis sheet where you say, I'm going to need this information from this stakeholder group who will be responsible to give me this information and they expect me uh, such kind of information in return so mm-hmm. you set that up and you conduct what they call i think a business analysis kickoff meeting
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and yeah you, you get everybody on the same uh, meeting and you explain to them how you're going to go about it mm-hmm. and and here you're building momentum and if you don't do that then you and when you come to person and say i want this he said okay you did not tell me before he, he he didn't he does not know that he's expected to do this and that. Mm. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and it also has to do a lot with your interpersonal skills. Mm. I mean, I think uh, we BAs, we miss a lot on uh, on learning these uh, skills. I think uh, I'm, I'm reading lately about emotional intelligence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And it's all set of skills that uh, we BAs have to have in order to engage people properly. It's not all about, you know, I want this information from you. Sometimes uh, emotions play part. And so you need to play, to work on that when you're engaging with
0: stakeholders mm, yeah absolutely couldn't, yeah couldn't agree more if you have to give something very tactical that our BAs could try out tomorrow to mm-hmm. engage stakeholders what do you do like to, to draw them into the project and to kind of you know give them yeah. that commitment
1: well if it depends if their project is already underway or is, is yet starting if it's yet starting That's a really good opportunity to do what I just said, like the project kickoff, uh, Mm meaning getting people on the same, uh, you know, on the same picture. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, But if it's already underway, which I think is most of the cases, uh, you have to look at individual cases, like see if not everybody will be on the same engagement level. Some people will be helping you a lot. Some people will be, you know, refraining from uh, extending their full help. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at these people, the later ones, and say, why are they not being mostly co- cooperative
2: mm.
1: and uh, when you identify these individual cases you'll say well this person has some issue with certain part like I mean they're not supporting the project due to some internal agenda or something mm. so it may help that you have a one-to-one meeting with them and you know try to rectify solution set expectations clarify um, any ambiguities they have on the project outcome I think it helps to do that on a yeah. one-to-one basis
0: yeah absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, any other big mountains that you have to climb, Aladdin uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, there's this one. Uh, if you've been to my website, I have this uh, video that uh-huh. I've created specially about prototyping.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Right. And, and I think the whole point of this is visualizing uh, the solution that you're creating to people. So this is a big... I think it's a big problem with, uh, with communicating to stakeholders what the solution will look and feel like,
2: mm. right? Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, over the years, I don't know if you have experience with that, we've been used to delivering huge requirements documentation Mm -hmm. have you ever been guilty of that i mean it's like a thick doc.
0: (laughs) it's always there and sometimes really boring for people to read so i i I can sense yes diagrams are important wireframes are important yes
1: yeah so so this problem with this documentation is that i mean they don't just get the message across and people might you you cannot be sure that they all you know have read thoroughly and understand what they're getting Mm. so you know how to overcome that well you could you know uh, use a lot of diagrams, like you said, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could have a separate documentation for a separate audience. Like, you might suspect that I have a different audience with different needs, and so I'm going to create this subset of models or textual requirements for this audience, and the other ones will be concerned about the details, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So you can segregate those,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And uh, I always stress this with my team is that go easy on the language side. I mean, BAs were very skilled in language, but other people just want simple, straightforward stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, in terms of brevity style, how you write stuff, how you organize your documents. So go go easy on that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Good stuff. Um, So do you have any tips for our BAs for advancing their careers? Well, I I think I will have to ask a question
1: about that. I mean, is the BA really passionate about being a business analyst for the time, or is this just one stop along the way to you know another level, executive position, for example? Mm. Because you get, you get people from two coming from two sides, be either people who are making a stop here or people who are really, really passionate and they want to do this for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I think I'm going to speak to the ones that are passionate since we're okay. on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so if you're really passionate, I think the first thing... That you be aware of is uh, to avoid what they call a death zone.
0: Mm, Interesting. Okay, so
1: so what's a death zone? It's I I read this some some time ago, on it's called the business analyst blog, Mm -hmm. and in this the article talks about how in in the aviation industry Mm. there is what is called a death zone where you know experienced pilots. Reach mm-hmm. to a confidence level that actually exceeds their capability level
2: mm.
1: and that often leads to catast- catastrophe because uh, y- you know you become more confident that you're really capable and you could make mistakes because of this increased confidence
2: mm.
1: right so the the article talks about how you should not you know feel confident enough to act on behalf of the business like act, as a cME. SME or something. Mm-hmm. But what I want to emphasize here is that this concept can be extended to the fact that you, as a BA, mm-hmm. should not feel ever confident of your skills like you assume that you've learned all about business analysis or that you can, for example, engage in an autopilot mode or something. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to be always on the lookout for new things to learn, for opportunities to improve your skills.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fantastic point you brought out. Yes.
1: Yeah, so avoid that. So in order to start, you know, improving yourself, you know, you could do some work on the theory side mm. and some other work on the practical side. Okay. Mm -hmm. So on on the theory part of it, you could. I mean, I think uh, I think you agree with me. The uh, business analysis body of knowledge is the first thing that you should be hitting. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You should you should know that by heart. You should uh, pretty much have read it and understood the concepts. Mm -hmm. And it helps if you uh, follow it up with a certification from you know from IIBA.
0: Yeah. Do a CCBa or CBAP. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I'm planning to do that uh, myself.
0: Okay. Great.
1: Yeah. Uh, There are a lot of books also. uh, Modern and Dot com has a, lot, a list of great books on the mm-hmm. subject, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are a lot of great blogs as well, like yours, like The Bridging, The Gap. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really fan of that blog. Yeah. Uh, the Modern Analyst is a really good resource as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so subscribe to those. There are, you know, some great blogs out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so just read, extend your read. reach and, you know, exactly. just, just accumulate knowledge. Yeah.
1: Okay, and and, you, and that's not enough by its own. So you need to combine that with the practice. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. And, right. and in here, there's an interesting idea that we could be involved in a lot of different BA engagements, right? Mm-hmm. But some engagements will give us a lot more reward than others.
0: Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. And and I try to and I tend to call that the high impact learning experiences. So targeting those high-impact learning experiences is really beneficial, mm. you know, and what, what are those high-impact? I mean, they could be things like when you have access to a set of best practices or somebody to shadow, like this is a high-impact uh, learning experience because you get to see how other people who have more experience do it, so that's something that you want to be, you know, involved in if you can, mm-hmm. right? Other things like if you have uh, a a project where there is got to be a relationship like with an executive or line manager you got to interview those or you got to work with those mm. those people aren't easy as the lower level you know uh, employees so you need to develop a lot of skills to work properly with those kind of uh, you know uh, individuals mm. so that's also you know a high impact i'd say
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: i think the common theme sort of the common theme here is tough mm. right Tough is good. So when you find that there's an engagement that it's tough, like it has some sort of upfront ambiguity or something like that, mm-hmm. go for that. Mm. Stretch your comfort zone. I mean, that's what is the high impact. That's where you'll have the most learning.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because that's where you will... You, it'll bring out the best in you and, you know, just, just put everything to test. Exactly, exactly. How else can our BAs advance? Even if you go for engagements... If you don't, you
1: know, approach uh, each engagement with the wanting to learn, I I mean, being conscious that, okay, this engagement, I'm going to be learning how to do this and that.
2: Mm.
1: Okay, so let me give you an example. I mean, here's an engagement where there is a project that involves multiple business units, and each has an overlapping responsibility. So you have an engagement across different, uh, you know, business unit boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, the regular BA or the one okay who just does what it what he does is he would approach this okay so what do I have to do okay let's do that let's get it over with let's do that you know finish it as quick as possible. I say before you start the engagement, just mm-hmm. take a step back and think. Okay, so what am I gonna learn out of this experience, mm. right? So for example, in this example that I gave you, okay, you could learn that how to manage multiple stakeholders, how to handle potentially conflicting requirements, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you know consciously that you're going to learn about this stuff. So then w- when you do that, you, you try to devise some solutions. So how, what are the best solutions for this kind of engagement? Mm. Well, like I said in the beginning, you do a BA kickoff meeting. You do a stakeholder analysis. You, all, you do all that stuff. You build relationships properly and you, you follow up, right? Yeah. So you devise one or more solutions and then you start executing on that solution.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah. And within, when you're done, you reflect,
0: Absolutely, Look, yeah.
1: Say, okay, so what have I done right and what have I done wrong? So this kind of conscious, you know, uh, engagement and conscious learning lets mm. you actually, you know, be in control of the situations, learn from it as much as possible, take full advantage of you, each and every engagement that you're in.
0: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point you brought yeah. out there. I think it's, uh, it's more to do with being conscious about what you're learning and, and kind of uh, uh, setting that expectation right in the beginning so that you know what to expect while you're going through it
1: yeah i mean it doesn't have to take long you just sit with yourself for you know half an hour and say this is what i'm going to learn and this is what my solution is mm. and then you reflect and okay so this is these are my lessons learned let's feed them into future similar engagements yeah
0: and and these could be for like ba specific learning or, or something interpersonal yeah. some soft skills anything right
1: exactly exactly yeah there's a lot of uh, personal soft skills in BA I mean it's you can't believe it oh yeah it's I know yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of
0: it absolutely for sure that that's that's something that I call as the invisible toolkit <laughs> uh-huh really I mean, yeah I mean a lot of
1: BAs think of the hardcore skills but a lot of the soft side I mean they miss out on yeah. uh, they should be really training on that as yeah,
0: much it is it is absolutely essential for sure so <laughs> uh, lots of work to do and uh, difficult stakeholder engagement so how do you stay productive
1: uh, well everybody has his techniques right mm-hmm. uh, I've heard a lot of the, uh in your previous shows People talked about, you know, planning ahead. I think Laura was the one who, it uh, sh- was a good, great advice to plan ahead your meetings. Uh, make sure that you have give enough buffer for people to be in your meetings. Mm. That's a really great advice. I'd like to second that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, another one that was especially important for me, uh, I've talked a lot of, about it in my blog. It's about gold plating. Mm. Right, and gold plating is like you know the perfectionist, bringing out the perfectionist in you, and you're actually letting that leveling that to a level where you can achieve work while still delivering quality results. Mm. So, uh, gold plating people, they will stay try to get the perfect deliverable, the perfect you know meeting, the perfect preparation. Everything should be perfect. Mm. Um, you should really ease up on that. You should just say, what do I need to get out of this? What's the minimum possible? quality that i can deliver and just go for that don't worry about having the perfect everything mm. right and that really sucks a, a lot of time and i i've been there and i know that i'm trying to go easy on that so mm. try to go easy on this uh, aspect
0: mm-hmm. for sure yeah i think that's an excellent uh, pointer there yeah
1: um, other ones you know just be uh organize your stuff i mean don't keep it all in your head uh-huh. You know, uh, um, a lot of people just try to remember everything that they receive, that they hear, that they hear any mm-hmm. to-dos and things. You should just put it out there on a task list or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I don't know if you know about it, it's called Wonderlist. I use that a lot.
0: Oh, yeah. Wonder. It's an app. Yeah, yeah, I like it.
1: Exactly. It's a cross-platform. So I, use, I have it on my iPhone. I have it on my desktop. Mm-hmm. And it helps me do uh, something else in productivity, which is constant reprioritization. So mm-hmm. using this, I can always look at my current... Uh, the ones that are starred and say, okay, so at this very particular moment of time, which one has the most priority? Which one should I be delivering, Hmm. right? And I can just drag the one that I should be working on up or just mark it as star and clear out the rest. So here you're putting yourself in a focus mode Mm -hmm. and say, this is what I'm going to be working on for the day. And if I can get through my day and finish these three, I'll be productive. I'll have been productive through the day.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Define the minimum and then list it out.
1: Exactly. So use the tool. I mean, don't keep it on, in your head. That's, mm. that's. I think, the takeaway here.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, other people, sometimes um, uh, other people in my office, they look at how I have my workflow set up in my PC, and they just say, okay, can you just go any slower? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the idea is that you just I mean, make sure that you set your machine up. I mean... Uh, this is really important because over time it piles up. You know, if you have a file that you access and you've stashed it some very deep way in your PC Mm. and every time you have to access it, you click like 10 clicks to get to that file. Mm -hmm. And over time, that really, that is time wasted. So I think what I'm trying to say here is that, uh, you know, streamline your workflow Mm. in your PC and your everything. Just make everything accessible, make it easy so that Mm. you can focus and not be distracted by, you know, uh, having to access stuff or you know change stuff or you know just streamline it make sure that it's really accessible
0: so minimize clicks
1: exactly minimize clicks use launchers because this time well you know you might say this is trivial but it actually does add up on the long run and you oh see, yeah. yeah yeah and sure. and just the, the thing that you're switching mental concepts so you, you were focusing on something and you needed that bit of information mm. and to get to that you had to do like 10 clicks Mm. At which point you've lost your momentum, you've lost what you were trying to get to or, uh, you know, it, it does happen. And I say that you can you just just make it easier for yourself.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah couldn't agree more. It's it's, it's so it's, it's trivial, like you said, but it is it can add up. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think
1: with those, those are my productive tips. So combine those and uh, you should be a little more productive. And be also.
0: super productive and contact a and say thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right. So I think you alluded to Babok um, a little bit. So let's talk about what's your favorite knowledge area from the Babok and why do you think it's your favorite? Well, the, you know,
1: the Babok, um, I've only been introduced to it like beginning this year when I started work uh, at uh, HP. And previously, I used to do a lot of it, but I wasn't aware that this is actually stuff that we are told to do as, you know, be, be a best practice. Mm. So while reading it, a lot of things clicked with me. I mean, it's really hard to get out a specific section and say this is my favorite because a lot of things are really important. You know, but uh, just looking at it once more, I find myself resonating a lot with the uh, with the first section, which is the business analysis planning
2: mm-hmm. and
1: monitoring, uh, you know, side. People might say this is, you know, this is not actually delivering. But I say this is very important stuff that sets the tone or that really decides how effective you'll be in the in the remaining, you know, uh, parts that you'll do.
2: Mm.
1: Right. So uh, you should try to follow this when you're, you know, starting a new project. It, it's really, I think, it's a sign of being maturity. You know, organizations that are, you know, mature really put a lot of emphasis on planning their BA activities as opposed to just going with the flow and doing what whatever comes natural yeah. <laughs> right yeah yeah
0: I think yeah that's a fantastic point you brought out it's 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 so true cuz uh, yeah. in my organization currently we we give a lot of emphasis to planning and, and we have one of the most mature BA practices so exactly
1: yeah right uh, and, and it does really significantly in, enhance you know, your effectiveness in the remaining, like in the elicitation part. Mm-hmm. Have you found out that it makes a difference? Oh, yeah. when, you plan, when you plan your elicitation sessions, they become easier to, mani- to you know, uh, manage and conduct. But when you come ad hoc and you just say, whatever comes natural, whatever comes, whatever I need, I'll have to do, then you might not get the engagement that you're looking for or you might miss out on opportunities yeah. in your elicitation sessions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah.
1: And also the other thing is the
0: monitoring side of it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a there's
1: a saying that uh, a thing that is not measured cannot be improved.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. So when you when you put you know measures in place and you say that for me and my team we're gonna m- improve on these specific aspects of our BA practice over the year mm-hmm. and you put actually measures to to you know see how well you're doing and then you reflect on that and say okay well we've done well and here's where we can improve still upon.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: Th- that's the other part of this uh you know section of the Babuk, which is how to monitor your performance as a b- business analysis unit.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They go hand in hand and and they both work uh, in perfect synergy to kind of you know get uh, the right tone right from the beginning.
1: Yeah. So yeah, th- so that that should be my favorite uh, at the moment, my favorite and the one that I'm really trying to uh you know establish in okay. our project.
0: Cool. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the B.A. practice in your organization, and uh, uh, specifically in your organization, and more so in Saudi Arabia, because I'm I'm a little intrigued to know how mm. this practice is perceived in that part of the world and how mature it is, and well, how do people see it as, and so yeah,
1: right, so. Uh- I mean, you, uh, the listeners might know that I work at HP Enterprise Services and there's HP Saudi Arabia that they have full operation here in Saudi Arabia and they're serving multiple projects. Mm-hmm. So so first thing we should differentiate between HP, uh, business analysis practice and the BA practice that we have with what wh- one of our current projects. Mm-hmm. So w- this project is the one that I'm working on is called SADAD mm-hmm. and it's the national payment system in Saudi Arabia. It actually serves uh, more than 90% of the transactions mm. so it's pretty it's, it's huge it's mm. pretty big yeah right? I can imagine. and so yeah and so when i joined beginning in 2011 uh, there was i would say there was a ba maturity but not to the level that we could say it's following the babook or it's following best practices mm. there's a lot of things to improve and a lot of things also you could find it in other uh, companies okay so if we're talking about ba in saudi arabia there's this whole notion that b a while it's important to be to do up front it's it's something that we should we should just get it out of the way so that we can start the real work the development site um, mm-hmm. so what so what I mean is that there's not much emphasis theres they don't understand that this is the biggest area where if you can get it right, you will guarantee the success of your project and if you if you fail or, or if you try to speed it up and just make it uh, get it over with you might or you're very much likely to fail in other parts of the project,
2: mm. right? Mm-hmm. So I've,
1: I've seen this in multiple organizations where I've been, uh, you know, trying to establish the importance of BA is not easy when you have management that doesn't think the same way. Mm. So, yeah, so, but in HP, of course, there's this whole emphasis on BA. And actually in HP, we have uh, centralized leadership units, Mm-hmm. In every major region, major region in the world, mm-hmm. and this is uh, and they it, these LUs or leadership units represent business analysis capabilities. Mm-hmm. So for each region, you have a, a manager, and, and they try to you know um, spread the best practices to all projects. Mm-hmm. Some of which is up. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so here's I'm trying to improve. On, on current project, I'm trying to improve the maturity, BA maturity. And I actually find it easy to do that because management has full support for for this. Actually, we're going for CMMI 3. So mm-hmm. that's a maturity level that you can hit if you have a supporting management. So, so yes, when you have good management, when you have people that understand the of BA, it's really easy. Mm-hmm. But when it's otherwise, it, it becomes really tough to, to you know. Put this BA practice yeah.
0: properly. So, h- how is it overall? Like, you know, if you if you look at it, uh, uh, let's say, you know, throughout the country, for example, how is it in terms of uh, maturity and end perception? So, there is this
1: awareness that we need a BA. Mm. That's there, mm-hmm. right? So, there is this awareness. Now, when you get when they get the BA, now how much emphasis do they put in this phase of the project of the SDLC? Mm. That's what companies differ in. So I would say, I mean, if I had to give a percentage of maturity in business analysis in this part of the world, I would say um, it's well above 50%. I mm. think it's, it's 60, 70. Just, you know, asking for BAs, I think that's good enough indication that there is this awareness. But, you know, we can take it a step further and we can really evangelize that, the importance of BA to every and each and every project
0: yeah absolutely just like how you're doing through your blog and through your videos and such and yeah yeah we're trying to yeah yeah exactly and 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 this podcast can be circulated maybe you know more so and uh people can learn more about it
1: yeah one thing of notice here is that while I was researching, I, mean, I did not find any BA or IIBA chapters in Saudi Arabia. So that's, there was this one, but I don't think they're conducting meetings anymore. So I think that's also something we can, uh, you know, get started again, because this will also help spread awareness if you have constant meetings and stuff like that.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah yeah absolutely couldn't agree more yeah. so Aladdin, at this point i really really want to thank you we have just run out of time and uh, lots of tips and advice for our bs yeah. well so, my pleasure yeah really appreciate you being on the show thank you once again for being part of this
1: well thank you for this opportunity i think your show is very fantastic Uh, I think especially up and coming BAs should be, you know, be subscribing to this because a lot of tips, even the best, you know, interviews that you've done, some great names in BA, some very well-known people. I think they have some really great stuff. And, you know, it it really is different when it's coming from a real B.A. with a real experience than when it's coming from a book, you know, a usual book. Yeah. So that's what the show is bringing. So good
0: job on that yeah thanks aladdin you know, that, that's my attempt too right it's real ba's real experience that's the tagline sort of <laughs>
1: exactly yeah
0: well, yeah awesome so I'll, I'll talk to you soon thanks once again
1: thanks again thank you very much
0: well i hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode the three key takeaways from this episode first off invest in learning about interpersonal skills it is very important Learn about different personalities. And I wrote about this in a greater detail in my book, The Five Pillars of a Great BA, which you can download for free over at freebagift.com. Number two, you have to be cognizant of different needs of the audience in terms of communication, engagement style, and so forth. And finally, plan your meetings ahead. Think through them. So for your next meeting, maybe spend about five to ten minutes to consciously think through how you will make it flow, how you will manage it, what will be your agenda, and so forth. If you have any questions or want to leave a comment on this episode, please visit thebacourse.com forward slash episode 46. And again, don't forget about the free mini prep course for CBAP or CCBA over at freeminiprepcourse.com. And that's it from me for this episode, folks. Have a good one. Bye for now.